Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Farrell Shepherd of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. And I'd like to welcome you to another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. This broadcast is for Thursday, November 10th. And I hope you're enjoying a good day in the Lord. Well, most of us are a little bit disappointed or maybe much disappointed in the elections and the way things went, especially for us here in Kentucky and the fact that the abortion ban did not carry. I cannot believe, really, that the majority of people in Kentucky are for killing babies. I just can't hardly believe that. I must believe that most of the people that are against it just refused to take a stand. And those that are for it, or at least duped to believe in that, have taken to the streets and went to vote. And so they canceled the amendment that was trying to get in the Constitution to make sure that abortion stayed out. But let me remind you, God is still on the throne. Here's Brother Tommy Wentzel with just a statement reminding us our great God is still on the throne. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. I caught myself one day, and I, you probably hadn't done this, but I did. Not ashamed to admit it tonight because it shows all of us how frail we really are. I was praying for somebody, and I really told God this. I said, God, these are some hard cases. And I went on like that for a little while praying, and it's almost as if the still small voice spoke to my heart and said, hard for who? Hard maybe for you, but it's not hard for me. In fact, the Bible said there's nothing. Did you hear what it said? He said, well, my lost love on his way out there. And they, oh, preacher, you don't know how bad that it is. I don't have to know how bad it is. I already know how big my God is. Oh, preacher, they're wrapped up in the throes of rebellion. Oh, and the same God can wrap them up in the arms of redemption. I'm telling you, say, preacher, oh, they're, they're in bad shape. But they're not so far gone that they can't be reached by the hand of an almighty God. Are you listening now? They're not so bad off that they can't be reached by the hand of an almighty God. Our God in his power is limitless. One writer said, God writes with a pen that never blots. He speaks with a tongue that never slips and he acts with a hand that never fails. That's the God that we serve. Our God, the Bible said, from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said in Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, our God, though, my friend, he's eternal. And the Bible said he's the ancient of days. Listen, friend, he's not sitting up in heaven, ailing because that his body's wore out, his mind's feeble. He's not sitting up in heaven trying to figure out how he's going to make it through these days. Oh, no, our God is a God who has limitless power. And nothing is impossible for him. Let me remind you that his name is still almighty. 
Listen, when you start fretting and chewing your fingernails and you start talking under your breath and talking to yourself about how bad it is, I just want you to remember one more time that the God that you serve and the God who saved you is a God who is almighty. Hallelujah. Amen. I trust that he encouraged you. Well, I've got my mother-in-law singing a song titled Bubbling, and then we're going to go to the message that we began on Monday of this week. Here's my mother-in-law, Mary Johnson, singing Bubbling. As we look into the scripture, we are looking in the book of Ezra, the Old Testament book of Ezra, chapter 9, but I'm focusing primarily on verse number 5. All this week, we're going to be looking at Ezra calling on God. I've titled my message for this week, It's Time to Take a Knee. And we're going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation of taking a knee, but using it in another realm of looking at prayer and how there is a need for prayer. On Monday's broadcast, we just gave the introduction and told the story there of Colin Kaepernick, and we began with the first point, the beginning of sorrows. We dealt with that on Tuesday and a little bit on yesterday. Then we began the second point, the battle in the soul. Now, today we're going to pick back up with that second point, the battle in the soul, and we'll move along towards the end of the broadcast. We'll get to the third point that we will complete with on tomorrow's broadcast, the third point being the bowing and the supplication. So I hope you'll stay tuned and enjoy the message as it was preached live from the pulpit of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ezra, chapter number 9. One verse that I really want to pull out and uh, make some statements and some comments about. Verse number 5 is where I'm going to take my main text. The Bible says, And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, And having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. Before I give you my title, I want to give you some introduction. It'll be unusual for me because it's an analogy that I'm taking from secular world, sports world, uh, that I'm going to give you some information that in a sense is not important to us, but it lays the groundwork that I can give you my point and hopefully drive the point home. My question is, have you ever heard of Colin Kaepernick? He became nationally and internationally famous for quote-unquote taking a knee instead of standing for the playing of the national anthem. Initially, he didn't kneel. Initially, he just kept his seat. He remained seated in the preseason NFL game of the San Francisco 49ers. Yet my point for mentioning Mr. Kaepernick and this trend is not to project my personal patriotism or my personal viewpoint, but my purpose is to point out Mr. Kaepernick, if sincere in the statements and beliefs that he claims, has found something worthy of risking his career, something worthy of risking his personal fame over. He has found something that he deems to be worthy of taking a knee over. I want to preach this morning from Ezra chapter 9 verse 5 on it's time to take a knee. It's time to take a knee. 
Ezra said in verse number 5, And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. When I look around our nation, when I look around our church, when I look around our families, I say it's time to take a knee. Lord, help us. Here, I, I'm trying to get to the soul. It, it reaches to his heart. He says in verse number 3, And when I heard this, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. I don't think that many shaved his head and his beard. It don't mean that he cleaned it all that. He just, he just, oh, did like that. He, it just, oh, he just couldn't understand. Oh, he just pulled at himself. Amen. Here he said in verse number 4, Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. There's a battle for his soul. That word astonished means astonished. He was astonished by this news. It shocked him. It took his breath. It staggered him. To think that the people called by God's own name would so grossly violate God's law, would disrespect God's mercy and God's grace. As a matter of fact, when you read his prayer, he's talking about, Lord, you've been so good to us. We didn't deserve nothing but punishment, and yet you had mercy on us. You didn't punish us as much as we deserved. You had mercy on us, and we spit in your face. That's what he's saying. He said, Lord, I'm so, I'm so ashamed that our people have abused your mercy and your grace, grossly violating the law of God. Ezra's reaction was that he tore his garment and his mantle. He pulled out his hair and his beard, and he sat down astonished, as I said, means astonished or amazed or devastated, wordless, speechless. He sat down, so grieved in his heart that it broke forth visibly in a physical devastation. Now, today we might view that like a temper tantrum. You've seen a little kid get so upset, so upset because you took the cell phone away from them that they beat their head on the floor, beat their head on the wall. Now, I don't think you ought to let children act that way. Amen. I think you ought to get control of them. Amen. Don't let them act like animals and don't let them act like idiots. My dad used to tell me and my brother, he'd say, you boys act like you got good sense whether you do or not. Amen. I understand that. We look at that like a two-year-old tantrum that's being, being, but in their case, there was, this was a, I won't say it was a common thing, but it was a recognized thing that his heart is so grieved. But can I tell you, Ezra was not doing that for people to look on. Ezra was doing that because his heart was deeply broken. He was so in anguish and so devastated that his own people would do such things that it grieved him to his core. Amen. He's not trying to put on a show. He's personally devastated, deeply hurt by this news. It seems as if all his joy had now been removed. His strength had been removed. He sat down, astonished, out of grief, over the sins of the people. He is in dread of the coming judgment, the impending judgment of God falling upon God's own people. I believe he sat down in fearfulness 
for the people and in sorrow for their dishonoring of his God. This led to verse 4, others of the same persuasion gathering around him. Look at what he said. Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. So other people that were dedicated to God's word. You see, it says in this phrase, they trembled at the words of God. Let me find, of the God of Israel. They grieved over the sin of the people because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. They, they honored God's word and they honored the God of the word and they were upset that these people were acting so worldly and so wickedly. So we see here that the, the message that was received made an enormous impact and impression on Ezra. And his reaction made an impression upon other pious and concerned individuals. They gathered around him. Now I want you to notice something here. They didn't gather around him to try to make him feel better. They didn't tell him, oh, it ain't no big deal. Don't worry about this. No. They didn't try to assuage his grief. They joined in with it. Amen. That is actually mourning with those that mourn. There is a time not to try to encourage somebody, but to weep with those that weep. Amen. I'm, I'm a jokester. I, it comes natural to me. Sometimes I wish it wasn't so easy. Just to be honest with you. But there's times not to joke. There's times people don't need to laugh. They need to just go ahead and cry it out. And they need somebody to put their arm around them and just weep with them. Amen. Ezra was in that place and the people of God didn't need to say, Oh, come on, Ezra, let's just lift up our hands and praise God in spite of it. No, they said, we, we're going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to get to God. Amen. Amen. I, t- I talked about it bothering me about the heathenish actions of some Christians. I wonder if you and I should not be brought to tears over the sins of others. I'm not talking about pointing our finger and saying, Look at that shamey, shamey. No, I'm talking about weeping over that. Saying, I would to God it wasn't that way. Amen. How about bringing us to tears? How about causing us to weep? How about causing us to sorrow and grief being brought to us? Amen. I wonder if these things ought not cause us to cry out to our God for help, for revival. Amen. He mentions revival a couple times later on, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Revival and reviving, amen. We ought to call out, I believe when we see the wickedness around us and when we see, be honest with you, when we see the tendency within us to slip and to dishonor our God, it ought to cause us to call out to God for mercy and for a reviving and a strengthening, amen. And I wonder if we did that, if one individual might do that, maybe some others might join in, like Ezra. They joined in to help him pray. Amen. They might join in in the grief. Join in in the agony. Amen. Join in in the calling out to God and praying for a move of God in our church, in our land, and in our nation. Amen. In our, in our generation. Amen. I mentioned to Joshua a couple of times now in talking to him about a statement Brother Johnny Jones made at Pleasant View in McQuady. He preached two different, two days, both days of the meeting. He was the first preacher both days. And he made a statement. I may have mentioned it here in the pulpit. I don't remember. But he made a statement both days. A a little bit of variance in the two days. But he made this statement. He said, Our forefathers left us a treasure. 
When they died, they left us with a victorious church. And look at the church we're leaving the next generation. He said we're leaving them a liberal church. We're leaving them a weak church. We're leaving them a church that doesn't know if they can trust God and believe God or not. Amen. And I say that, and I'm not talking about just the Island Ford Baptist Church, but I'm talking about churches in, you understand that. But even in, in Island Ford Baptist Church. Amen. God help us. If, if we're the, if we're the pinnacle, then the world's in a bad, bad, bad mess. Amen. And if we're not the pinnacle, we ought to strive to be the pinnacle. Because God deserves for us to be the pinnacle. Amen. Well, uh, let me, let me get back to my notes here. Hey, uh, let me ask you, do you tremble at the Word of God? Do you just shrug it off? Does the preaching of the Word of God affect you? Does it change you? Amen. Do you believe and repent at the preaching of the Word of God? I remember hearing a preacher say this years ago. He made a statement about statements that I've heard many other preachers make. He said, I've heard some of you say, you may preach me to the altar, but you'll never preach me out the door. He said, some of you I have never seen in the altar. And I've seen you go out the door. Amen. Does it, does it move us? And I'm not just talking about to come up front. I'm talking about to get a hold of God. Does it move us to get a hold of God? Do we repent? Does the sin of your own heart trouble you? Or, and do you weep over the sins of others? Does it bother you that God's great name is dishonored? Amen. When we hear cursing, it ought to offend us. Amen. It ought to offend us when we hear somebody curse the name of our God. But I'm going to tell you something that's probably worse than a blasphemer cursing the name of God. That is God's people disrespecting the name of God. Amen. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Matthew Henry said this about this verse. I like what he said. He Listen, quote, he said, Those that tremble at the word of God cannot but tremble at the sins of men, by the which the law of God is broken and His wrath and curse is incurred. Matthew Henry said, If you tremble at the word of God, you'll tremble and weep over the sins of men. Amen. Again, I say, if, if just one of us... If just one of us would get bothered, if, if we'd be touched by the feelings of these infirmities that are around us. Not to rise up as a Pharisee. Again, I'm not talking about rise up and say, woe, woe is y'all, but say, woe is us. Amen. We're all in a heap of trouble because we have dishonored the name of God. Amen. If one person would recognize that, would begin to fast and pray. If one person would begin to weep, and call on God for help. Maybe others would join in. They'd be influenced. Amen. Ezra didn't do it to influence others. He just did it because he was concerned about the honor of God. And he was concerned about the sins of the people of God. Amen. The, the third thing is the bowing and the supplication. Verses 5 and 6. The bowing and the supplications. And at that time, or I'm sorry, and at the evening sacrifice... I rose up from my heaviness and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. He's, he's saying almost like we're drowning in our iniquities. It's over our head. 
and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. He said it sinks clear to heaven because of the sin of God's people. Reminds you of Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? God said the stench of their sin has ascended up into heaven. The bowing and the supplication. Now we're not told what went through the mind of Ezra, what his heart was feeling at the time. We don't know while he sat there astonished, but we can guess when we hear the words that he says when he calls on God. Amen. Even though Ezra had been overcome with emotion and dread, yet Ezra did not become a fatalist or a pessimist. He got up and went to God. Amen. He went to God in prayer. Notice what he said. It was at the time of the evening sacrifice. You see that in verse 5? It's at the time of the evening sacrifice. Some commentators say that the evening sacrifice, it was done every evening, every day at the same time, that the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice was a time when those who lived in Jerusalem, those who were pious and had the opportunity, would go to the temple themselves during that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. As that sacrifice, as the smoke went up to heaven, their prayers went up to heaven. And they joined in. It was the time of the evening prayers. The time of the evening sacrifice. And that they would go up there and pray at that time. And, and that does seem to agree with the Scriptures in Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. That would be the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. It was called the time of prayer or the hour of prayer. That they would come together and they would pray. It looks like that Ezra took that opportunity to get up from his dread, from his emotional upset experience, to get up, gather up, and go to the house of God and lift up his voice unto God. By the way, this offering of the evening sacrifice, that was the time that Elijah chose, if you remember that. He let the prophets of Baal make their noise and have their shim dig up till the time of the evening sacrifice. And at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice there, First Kings chapter 18, he, he made that altar, got his altar ready and made prayer unto God. Amen. And that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. So we're going to have to break in the message right there. But Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow and continue this message throughout this week. Hope you'll tune in this same time every Monday through Friday for another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. Until then, this is Pastor Farrell Shepherd saying good day and God bless you.